Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the DermVet Podcast. Um, So full disclosure, I am currently recording this right now kind of quietly because I'm in our home office, which is just under my toddler's bedroom as my husband's trying to get her to sleep. And if you watch any of my social media, you know we are having a really big struggle with sleep um, right now with our three-year-old. So fingers crossed that she goes to bed well, um, but I have to keep things a little quiet just so I don't disturb her. And then our puppy right now is currently eating a Kong with frozen HP since she's still in her diet trial to keep her distracted. So the slurping in the background is her, but this is just the way that mom life goes. And I'm definitely not going to pretend to have it all together are perfect. Um, This is just what it is. Uh, And another thing I wanted to mention as far as the episodes go, um, I know I haven't done some interview uh, style episodes in a while, which is my favorite thing to do, but as is the rest of the veterinary world, as far as COVID goes, um, lining schedules up right now with how crazy busy everyone is has been difficult, but I do have some coming, so don't worry. Um, I am gonna get some more of those longer episodes, um, kind of chatting through some subjects with dermatologists and other um, specialists because I learn a lot doing those and I really love doing that. But today what I wanna talk to you guys about is ear cultures. Um, And let me start by saying, ear cultures are heavily debated even in the veterinary dermatology world. You're gonna find a lot of different opinions about ear cultures. I've kind of changed the way that I use ear cultures. Um, You know, in the end, you get to choose how you practice and how you wanna utilize um, ear cultures or even if you want to do them. So I'll kind of walk you through um, how I use ear cultures because I do still use them in some cases. Um, And then you can kind of go and see how you feel utilizing them in practice. You know, I have talked to other dermatologists who hardly run ear cultures. Um, So ear cultures are viewed a bit differently than skin cultures. When I'm going to decide to do an ear culture, my primary indication for doing a culture and susceptibility test um, is either one, uh, it's a severe otitis externa where I just have not been able to get them under control or they've been resistant to a lot of the therapies done by the general practitioner. And I'm to the point where I think we need systemic therapy. Um, and then two, if there's otitis media suspected or present. So really I'm guiding most of my ear culture information based on systemic treatment. I will say I never collect a culture without having a cytology first. I have had many cases referred to me before for a difficult otitis um, where a culture is done, comes back negative or growth of like, you know, very few bacteria that don't really seem to be pathogenic. And then I'll do a cytology and I will just see gobs of yeast. Um, and so obviously if we have gobs of yeast, we don't necessarily, we don't need to be doing a culture because we can just be treating the yeast. Um, so 
just make sure you're doing cytology. You also want to be able to compare your cytology results to the culture because sometimes you have to call the lab and follow up like, hey, I saw just tons of rods on here and you're only giving me a few staff um, because sometimes you have to make sure that the culture you're getting is as reliable as it can be. So just make sure that you're quantifying and, and writing down what you're finding on cytology before you do a culture. And that includes like the day you do the culture, not just like I did a cytology a couple weeks ago and I saw something and now they're going to come in for culture. Like I want to know what it's like that day because ear disease can change really, really quickly. And we have to know what was present when we actually collected that cultures, you know, back in the day, I pretty much culture any, I'd suggest or offer culture to any client whose pet came in with just a ton of rods. Um, and now it kind of depends. I don't necessarily jump on that as fast as I used to, um, because if they've never been on any therapy before, I might give them the chance to just go through topical treatment first. Um, so that's where I kind of, you know, based on experience and talking to other dermatologists, decide how I'm going to change, um, my thoughts on that too. The big reason for maybe not using culture for the ear canal, as much as say like the skin, depending on the case is that when we collect cultures from the ear canal, there's several studies that show even if a certain topical medication was shown as resistant on the culture, that I think one study even said like 90% of the cases ended up being effective with a topical therapy that technically said it should have been resistant based on culture. That's a really high percentage. Um, there's also been some um, cultures that have been sent out to various labs from the same sample and sometimes they'll get differing results back. So I think cultures can be useful, but I do think you have to kind of read into and read through them a little bit. And I don't think every ear culture necessarily um, needs to happen for any case of otitis. Um, so you want to kind of keep that in mind again, when you're deciding how to treat these, but instances where I do consider culture, if it's a severe case, like I said, that has just really not been responsive to anything, has failed numerous therapies, um, if there is otitis media, then I ideally want to culture from the actual middle ear. So that's where we talk about putting the pet under you know, heavy sedation, preferably general anesthesia. If there's no eardrum, then you can just take something uh, like a sterile red rubber catheter um, or Tomcat catheter like through your scope to try to avoid touching the external ear canal. And you can actually go and suck some of the debris from the middle ear. Um, if you don't have a lot of debris, you can um, put a little bit of sterile saline into the middle ear and suck that up and then culture that. But that's why general anesthesia can be preferable because then you're actually having um, the, you're having intubation. So you're protecting that airway. If you do put something like fluid into the middle ear, they, it could go um, to the point of aspiration by going through the eustachian tube. So Titus media, I definitely want to try to get a culture of that middle ear. If the eardrum has grown over um, and healed over that infection, then that's where something like myringotomy with videotoscopy can be really helpful. But if I have a case coming in of a uh, otitis externa, where I might consider culture, again, if they've failed a lot of therapies, if there is a really significant amount of proliferation that's basically causing that ear canal to swell shut. If it's to the point where basically 50% of that canal has really like swollen shut, 
then a lot of times in those cases, it's been going on for a while, um, though you can get acute cases of just a swollen ear. And so I will probably be reaching for a systemic therapy along with an oral corticosteroid and a topical therapy in those cases. So then I will collect um, an ear culture just to kind of guide how I'm gonna use my systemic therapy. The reason that the using the cultures in otitis externa for topical therapy can be really tricky and, and maybe not as helpful is Remember, cultures are based on serum concentrations. Those MICs, the minimum inhibitory concentrations that we look for and that they base the information of whether it's called susceptible or resistant is based on serum concentration. Well, that's based on, you know, taking something systemically, say like a pill, you know, absorbing it, digesting it, kicking it out to your bloodstream. When you're doing topical therapy, you are exceeding that concentration because you're putting like the therapy like right in the ear canal you're not relying on those serum concentrations so something can look you know quote unquote resistant on a culture but because you're using it topically and just getting really heavy concentrations of that say antibiotic in the ear canal you know it can look resistant but actually be super effective so you know i will guide use it to guide my topical therapy somewhat or i'll look for things like even if it says resistance is there some zone of inhibition that they report or is it just zero like nothing was showing but i'm mostly using it again to really guide my my systemic therapy um, I've had owners that can't administer topical uh, treatments. They, the pet won't let them, they're really painful or they're unable to do it. And so sometimes we become more dependent on systemic therapy in those cases, though now we do have some products that you know you can leave in the ear canal um, that sometimes can be beneficial in those cases. But sometimes you really need in these resistant infections really good systemic therapy to treat them. Um, if topical therapy just has not been effective at all, um, if there's been a topical adverse reaction to something and maybe we need some time to not put anything down that ear canal because it's ulcerative and painful. So when I'm doing an ear culture, again, I'm really thinking about the case as a whole. I'm not just reading that culture result. So I'm going to potentially guide my systemic therapy based off of that. Um, you also need to think about the antibiotics that tend to penetrate things like, you know, bone or cartilage really well. So cephalosporins can be really helpful with that. Um, clindamycin can be really helpful with that, but I'm basing a lot of that off of the culture result and talking about otitis media is something that myself and Dr. Lo Curtis talked about in one of the previous um, episodes. She's a neurologist, so she deals with otitis media as well. So I'm going to use um, some sort of topical therapy if I can, but I might kind of use the culture to help me with that, but I'm mostly using it for that oral medication. And then I'm usually putting them some sort of steroid if I can, if there's a lot of proliferative tissue, if there's a lot of swelling. When people think about painful ears, honestly, if you just reduce that inflammation, that's the best thing to make that pet comfortable. So as long as there's no contraindication to starting a steroid, then I'm gonna do that with a systemic antibiotic so that I can get a really good uh, handle on that comfort and swelling and, and make it so um, my treatment will be more effective. Sometimes we might just use systemic treatment for a week or two 
to make the pet comfortable before we have the owner putting something topically in the ear. If it's super swollen and we can barely see, you know, down the ear hole, then maybe we need to take some time and just open that up for a week or two and then we can start topical therapy. So that's where I think these cases can be really fun is, you know, you can utilize some of these diagnostic tests the way that you think is best, but then you can really kind of manipulate your treatment plan based on that pet. Like, what does the cytology show? If we're going to culture, like, what does that show? Maybe that guides part of your treatment, but maybe not all of it. Um, Do we need to do something for a week or two first before we start a certain therapy? And then please, please, please recheck these patients before you stop therapy. I am not stopping things like oral antibiotics, um, anti-inflammatories with steroids, topical therapy. In cases that are so bad that I am going to consider ear culturing them, like, they have to come back to me before we decide how we're going to stop that treatment and what we need to do to prevent those ear infections from coming back. So I hope that's helpful. Remember, ear culture is something that I feel like is a pretty heavily debated topic um, in veterinary dermatology. You will find dermatologists who don't really run them at all. I think there is a middle ground, especially with systemic therapy and definitely with otitis media. I think we mostly agree on that that uh, ear culture can be beneficial, but just remember how to use it and please, please cytology everything and do that cytology before you consider um, doing an ear culture. Until the next episode, you guys keep making Durham fun um, and shoot those questions and um, ideas at me. I love getting your guys' suggestions for the podcast. And then if you could be nice enough for this poor little dermatologist who does this uh, podcast from her office quietly while her non-sleeping toddler keeps her sleep deprived, leave a positive review to make my day. Um, the more support and listens we get, the more that we can do with this podcast together. So thank Thank you.